Hi, I'm Joel. This is Creativity Pulse, a podcast where we dive into the cool waters of creativity and cruise around some creative thinking, evolution of ideas, and innovation that currently exists in a variety of industries and businesses, big and small. For those of you just joining us, there are two weekly episodes, the first with a guest and a second weekly roundup. This links the week's conversation to some creativity stuff. It includes some practical hints to help you exercise, flex, and build your creative mental muscle. I'm here with another guest on the Creativity Pulse podcast. Uh, who are you? Where are you from? And what do you do? Hi, um, pleasure talking to you. Uh, after such a long time, I'm Jorge Antunes Vea. I'm originally from Argentina, lived until I finished high school in Argentina, and then I continued to pursue my studies in the UK. I first went to Manchester, University of Manchester, to study politics, philosophy, and economics. And having completed the degree, I went straight into my master's program in uh, development economics and international development at the University of Cambridge. And yeah, I'm, I'm an Argentinian, so of course I'm so happy about the World Cup and can't think about anything else, honestly, these days. I bet, I bet, I bet. <laughs> my daughter's from, well, she was born in Argentina and I sort of, I'm going to jump in here. The um, I met Jorge years ago uh, you were one of my students and I have to admit probably one of my best students I've had you scored the highest mark in the IGCSE I think it was in economics in Argentina at the time I remember your parents saying to me oh thank you very much and I was like I don't think it had I don't think it had a lot to do with me to be honest so uh, it's a pleasure an absolute pleasure to have you on here so now you're from Argentina who do you who do you think is the most creative person in Argentina then? So that's kind of a difficult question. Like I'm from, I think Argentinians are really creative. I think Latin Americans in general are really creative because of their like, we live in constant economic crises, so we need to be creative to survive. So I would say, I'll go for an unconventional answer. So I'll probably explain who he is. His name is Pier Paolo Barbieri. Uh, he, he went to study politics at Harvard and then did a master's in economics at Cambridge. And he's now the owner of the one of the largest tech companies in Argentina. Um, it's a microfinance, uh, it's not a microfinance, it's um, a fintech company called Wola, aimed at democratizing finance in not only Argentina, but Latin America. And he was probably the first to implement that. And I think it's creative, creativity is such a subjective like word, and you need to understand so many different angles but i think he's creative because i mean like he created an ecosystem with, that was not not in the place before and the way he did it the way how he how he had to like munch himself in such a hostile economic social and political environment that's so from my understanding that's what creative is I would tend to agree on that sort of side of things. It's uh, having lived in Argentina, I know you do actually have to be creative sometimes in just sort of finding you know, the basic things in life. Um, do you think that that's become quite a sort of recognizable Argentine trait? Creativity? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I I think it's I, I'd explain it to more of like a Latin American thing. I was on market uh, mar- the market in Cambridge the other day, and it's kind of strange because each day they like each business doesn't have like their place. They go changing day by day, so you usually struggle to to find where it is. And I always usually get coffee at a Colombian place. And the Colombians, what they did, because for that, being creative, I mean, like, they put, a, like, a big um, banner that you see from everywhere in the market. So you know where it is. And that's the only business that you can, like, actually distinguish. And, I mean, I think it's, we need to, we live in such a complex region where if you're not creative, you won't survive, so... I think that sort of leads on to sort of the next question I have. Businesses have identified a number of sort of key skills that they're looking for in people who they're looking to employ. Uh, collaboration and, and an ability to communicate really well. Um, critical thinking skills, so solving problems that you haven't seen before. And one of the main ones is creativity. Uh, you've been to Manchester University and you're now studying at... Cambridge. Do you think universities encourage students to be creative? I, I honestly can talk about my degrees specifically. So I, I remember the last time I saw you at school, um, the last thing you said to me is, don't forget to be happy. I don't know if you, you remember that, but <laughs> we're walking the other side by the rugby field. And that's the last thing I, I remember of like actually seeing you. And that's something that really stuck with my life. Uh, so thank you. And I mean, like, I studied politics, philosophy, and economics in my undergrad, which at the beginning I had no idea. Because, like, I, I have to be honest, my school was, I, I don't think school was very uh, creative um, in general. Probably our economics classes were the most by far. So I had such a, like, a multidimensional understanding of everything by analyzing, like, uh, if I had to write an essay, I had to talk about politics, philosophy, and economics. So it all it was always, like, multidimensional. There was no specific way of answering the, the a problem. And I think that really stuck in the way I, like, go in my day-to-day. And that's why I decided to actually study development economics and international development. Because I think, like, it's really dangerous to, like, face a problem in a unidimensional way because um, if you continue doing like once you start in a unidimensional way then you get stuck in it while if you confront things in different perspectives thus being creative then the chances of success in my opinion are much higher i think development economics needs people who are highly creative the standard approach to neoclassical sort of approach to development economics is that there are already markets in existence. And that to me, I think when I used to have chats with you and a number of your other you know, very bright students in the school, used to sort of recognize that it's kind of a strange approach. Have you had those types of conversations at university where you've had to approach it from a very abstract point of view? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I took classes like to have an idea of how my degree was, I took classes from econometrics to, I don't know, like history of philosophy. So even when I like approached economic issues, I had to think about the philosophy side of things. 
So absolutely, I mean, like Latin America and probably like the developing world in general is such a complex environment where like there is no universal truth. What a wonderful expression, universal truth. I think that Latin America has some of the, more, the most complex social issues anyway, and some of the most uh, diverse sort of groups of people. Um, do you think that the problems economically sort of from north to south, east to west in Central and South America are easily solved with the types of thinking that we have in economics at the moment? Absolutely not. And we need to be like really country specific when we talk about these issues and not doing so can lead to very problematic outcomes, such as, I don't know, like the 1990s, for example. I mean, like how SAPs and the SAPs and the IMF. So, I mean, like it caused economic collapse 10 years after. And one of the reasons that because of that was actually not looking at like country-specific problems. I know in Argentina, the IMF has left a very sour taste in a lot of people's mouths uh, with regards to how Argentina was handled by the IMF and you know, possibly the international community in that way. Do you think that the um, situation there will change? Do you think it's a, a financial economic problem or is it one more related to the political situation there? Well, honestly, it's a bit of everything. But I mean, as I think you should think this way is if you don't solve these problems creatively, um, I mean, of course, like your background knowledge is important. But the, at the end of the day, what's going to make a difference is how you use this knowledge in different ways. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's a bit of everything. And the only solution is be creative and like put a lot of effort. I think you've touched on something there, the need to have the background knowledge, whether it's correct or incorrect, um, knowing that it's say maybe incorrect, we're finding out that a number of the economic theories really don't apply to the world that we live in nowadays. Um, I remember Kate Raworth saying that we have uh, theories from the 1850s embedded in textbooks of the 1950s for economists of 2050 that 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 to me just made me scratch my head and think wow okay Um, a friend of mine puts it like this he's a guitarist and he says look if i don't know how all of the scales and the chords fit together i can't be creative and he says so knowing what doesn't necessarily go together or doesn't necessarily go together but could be fit together with some creative sort of views of it, that is where you end up with the genius, as he puts it, of, you know, the Sex Pistols or, or never, you know, Nirvana and bands like this. Are there any economists that you feel are providing the world with the sort of mix that is required in order to fix problems for young people like yourself? Well, in the case of Argentina specifically, which is the area in which I, I plan to dedicate my life to, uh, it's, I think we could like recycle old economists like uh, Raúl Prevesh, for example, and like applying it like in today's economic environment. Um, I think, yeah, we could be creative in that way. Like, 
I think creativity in the world of economics and politics doesn't necessarily entail like leaving everything you know behind, if not of like recycling and building like it's like a building block. So you build upon what others have done, and the problem is not getting stuck. And that's what I think has happened across the last decades. I think we have like become stuck in the way how we are like developing our, our theories. Do you think that the, I mean, we now have in just in my lifetime, I'm mid fifties. So I remember a world of no internet, you know, few computers, communication was a lot slower. A lot more people were cut off effectively from each other. Do you think that the internet and the way that our communication is so seamlessly easy nowadays is a major benefit to solving these particular problems? Well, it's a double-edged sword, of course, because uh, we have lots of information, but if we don't use it in the right way, then it's a stub in the back. So, so yeah, I think we need to really be careful with how we use this this um, new possibilities technology provides us with. I think one of the problems that we have with uh, this high-powered computing uh well, one of the problems we have with the high-powered computing uh, systems that we're using is it's, I read the other day that it's creating so much data that we now don't know what to do with it. And we as humans see patterns. And that's how we sort of survived for so long is because we're able to see the patterns in the landscape or the seascape that we're actually looking at. Do you sort of look look back as an economist or a student of economics for the patterns in, say, the issues in Latin America and how they might be fixed? I mean, economic history is incredibly valuable because, of course, you, one can detect patterns that go over and over in time. But as these patterns go over and over in time, they change. So it's really important to see how they change. Uh, because if we don't see that, then we're not tackling the real problem. And talking about data, which I was in the Cambridge Union the other day, and like a, the ex-finance minister of Greece came the other day, and he said, it's really, we need to really tackle data in the correct way, because we are data. I mean, like the way our day-to-day generates data. So if we become slaves of such like companies, and then, I mean, like, the economic system is changing to a completely different. It's got, he, he says it's a techno-feudal system, um, which in a way, like, is leaves capitalism and turns us into, like, a bit of, like, um, the, the serfs of these multinational companies. Uh, so I think governments should be implementing, like, creative policies soon to solve these issues i mean there's two things there is it uh yanis fariakos i apologize if i have mispronounced his name there uh he's not radical but he's you know he has some fairly um, sound opinions with regards to the european union and how capitalism has progressed um do you sort of tend to agree with him that it's made, turned us into not necessarily serfs, but sort of slaves to our own ambitions and, you know, what we want to do with companies? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think 
I mean, capitalism has done so, have provided so many profits in the last years, which I mean, I think it's like, um, there's a consequence of its own um, triumph, I think. And yeah, it has resulted in a completely different economic environment where personally, I don't even, I don't know my position in this economy any, any, any longer, so... I think that's one of the major problems that you actually have with um, positioning yourself nowadays. I've asked a number of people before and uh, sort of my standard question is, you know, generalist or specialist. And when I was young, you were a generalist and it took you 20 years to become a specialist. And then you sort of became a generalist specialist, melded into, into sort of the same sort of person. But everybody nowadays seems to leave university and within a year they're specialists. Do you think that's a healthy way to be? Do you sort of have those ambitions yourself or do you think being a generalist is much more beneficial? I think if one becomes a specialist in today's environment, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you take like one or 20 years to become one. Um, I mean, technologies are evolving so fast that if you really specialize in something very specific, then, I mean, like, you're out of business. So you need to be a generalist constantly and try to be as best as you can in some specific thing, but you always need to consider the wider picture because, I mean, if not... And that's one of the main criticisms I have about, like, the, um, like getting into a business and actually, like, working for a business for a very long period of time. You become so disconnected from, like, other generations that when if they fire you and you're like 45, then literally you cannot get into it anywhere else. I think you'll agree that our guest today had some fascinating things to say. We certainly had a lengthy discussion while making this episode that would have turned into a marathon of listening. So I've cut the discussion in half and the final part of the conversation will be broadcast next week. Well... That wraps things up, and until next time, have a great day, and best of luck with your creativity. Well, that's it for this week. Don't forget to have a look at the website. You'll find some stuff to help you develop your creative abilities. I'm Joel. Who are you? Where do you come from? And what do you do?